0: I want to welcome our guests with us this morning and our regulars. You're all very special. The most important people in the world are here right now. I just want you to know that. You are that important that God has chosen you to be here. You are the most important people in the world. Amen. (laughs) Give yourself a hand clap. That's right. You don't believe me, do you? I can tell with that rousing round of applause that you guys weren't buying into that. But it's the truth. You know, this morning, um, we are going to take a break on the uh, Holy Spirit teaching. We were going to talk this morning upon uh, faithfulness and, uh, j- and gentleness, but we're going to come back to that next week. But uh, the Lord changed the plan this morning when I got here this morning because I opened up my Bible, as I normally do, just to have some time of uh, prayer and time of just getting fed by the Lord. And he opened me up to the book of Jude. And when I read this, I mean, I just, this was a God thing because I just opened my Bible and I fell open. And I don't always do that, by the way. It's not that I always just open my Bible and that's what I'm going to study. But it was clearly an appointed time because I want to read, and I want you to read with me the book of Jude because this has very good relevance to our day today. We had a very huge thing happen in our world on Friday with the ruling that just came down from our Supreme Court. So today I want to talk about that today and I want to just give a firm position of who we are and what we believe in and we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means to have marriage. What is marriage? How did God institute marriage? Open your book with me, your Bible, and um, read with me. We're going to read the whole book of Jude. You know what's interesting about this? Do you know who Jude is? Jude is the brother of James. Do you know who James is? James is the brother of Christ. So who does that make Jude? The brother of Jesus. There's hope for us today because we recognize that the brothers of Jesus did not recognize Jesus at first. In fact, they persecuted him. His family thought Jesus was nuts. They thought that Jesus was wrong in many of the ways that he was going about things, and they ridiculed him. But yet, Jude is a writer one of the books in the New Testament. So that's significance for us today, because maybe you didn't start off so well, but you know you can finish strong, as Jude did. So let's listen to what Jude has to say, because he has some things to say to us today in the times that we're living Beginning at verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign, sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns that gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. We just sang all this through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Is that a description of the days that we're living in? Does that tell us exactly where we're at today in the time frame of eternity? In the last days. Folks, we are in the last of the last days. I'm not setting dates. I am just reading God's word, and I'm looking around us, and I'm seeing what's happening around us, and I will tell you that we are in the last of the last. So it is time to gird ourselves up and get ready. I want to read to you the position of the Assemblies of God Fellowship as written by our, our General Superintendent, Dr. George Wood, about our, the, uh, our fellowship's position as to what's happened this week. In Oberfell versus Hodges, a 5-4 majority of the Supreme Court, they ruled this. The 14th Amendment requires a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex and to recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex when their marriage was lawfully licensed and performed out of state. As a Christian minister and general superintendent of the the Assemblies of God, I am deeply concerned with the court's redefinition of marriage and the negative effects that it may have on religious freedom. Scripture defines marriage solely in terms of the union of a man and a woman. You can write these passages down if you want to. You can go back and study them yourself. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Mark chapter 10, verses 5 through 9. I'll read it and say it again. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Mark chapter 10, verses 5 through 9. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through 32. Not only that, Scripture prohibits same-sex intercourse. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. And then also chapter 20, verse 13. When it comes to same-sex marriage, scripture prohibits what the Supreme Court permits. As Christians, Assemblies of God adherents affirm that the Bible determines what we believe and how we behave. Our statement of fundamental truths puts it this way. The Bible is our all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. And the scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. I am deeply concerned, however, about how the court will rule when government laws and regulations that reflect its redefinition of marriage conflict with our biblical behavioral standards. Dr. Wood continues, he says this, Will public accommodation laws be interpreted to require Assemblies of God congregations to rent their sanctuaries to same-sex weddings, if they also rent their sanctuaries to weddings involving a man and a woman? He's asking lots of questions that we don't know the answers to. Right now our attorneys are researching these questions even as we speak. Will Assemblies of God ministers be required to solemnize or conduct same-sex marriages? Will Assemblies of God colleges and universities be required to enroll same-sex married students even though that constitutes a violation of their student conduct codes? Will our schools be able to access federal student loans and grants if our student conduct codes prohibit same-sex behavior? Will Assemblies of God organizations that provide psychological counseling, adoption services or other services that require professional licenses be stripped of their licenses because of their faith-based opposition to same-sex marriage and behavior. Could you imagine what that does to adoptions? Being forced to allow same-sex partners to adopt children? Will Assemblies of God churches be required to hire same-sex married parties if they are educationally qualified? Could you imagine a church having to hire same-sex people homosexuals in our, in our, working in our churches? These are all questions we don't know the answers to yet. Will Assemblies of God organizations lose their tax-exempt status because of their opposition to same-sex marriage because of the Bob Jones precedent? In other words, will we lose our 501c3? Will we be taxable? Will you lose your taxable contributions? Even though I'm sure that's not why you give, that's not why you tithe to get a tax deduction. But these are all things that possibly could happen. And that is my deepest concern. Although it should not be, religious freedom itself is going to be an issue. In this way, the Supreme Court's ruling regarding so-called marriage equality will be used as a wedge to narrow the scope and weaken their protections afforded by the free exercise of religion guaranteed to Americans by the First Amendment. He finishes with this. Three words of advice. First, to Assemblies of God ministers. Politics reflects culture, and culture reflects religion. If you are concerned with the political drift by American culture, preach the gospel. Preach the word. Preach the gospel. As it sends out roots in the lives of believers, the seed of the gospel will change hearts and minds. Second, to assemblies of God adherents, you are privileged citizens of a blessed nation use your citizenship well seek the common good advocate for the last the lost and the least speak the truth in love and vote for candidates that, and issues that reflect a biblical perspective on issues the difference in so many conflicts in American politics and culture turns out on who turns out to vote that's your privilege that's, your, that's the way we speak is through our vote membership vote in churches and people vote in our political world and then third to all christians if you are troubled with the supreme court's decision keep perspective in this and every other matter always remember the words of our lord jesus christ john chapter 16 verse 33 in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world let us all pray for a great spiritual awakening in our country dr george wood My position as pastor of Centerpoint Assembly is very clear. We will preach the Bible in entirety. This is not limited only on this issue, but on all areas of sin. All sin, all sin, including homosexuality, is not new to the human race. Even though this is a travesty and it's detestable, it's no worse than any other sin as emphasized by Paul as he spoke to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 23 through 32. Read this with me if you will. You can open up your Bible, you can read it. This is Paul speaking to the Romans. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created beings rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of... Of wickedness. And I'm going to stop you for a second. Just in case you think that we're only speaking about homosexuality here, listen to this list of sins that we preach about, that we hold ourselves accountable to, that we are preaching God's word in everything. I'm not just saying that we can do what we want to do and they can't. This is about us all. Listen to this list of sins. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, evil greed, and depravity, they are full of envy, do we envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Isn't it amazing? We're talking about the worst of sins, and disobeying our parents is one of them. You see, this hits us all, doesn't it, guys? This is why we can't just look at homosexuality as the bad sin. No. They're all bad sins. Okay? They're all bad sins. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. God's word is very direct. Thank you, Lord, for giving us clear directions. Again, we are not picking and we're not choosing the sins that we stand against. We're, included, we're including all of them, and these include all of us. So that no one feels that we're afraid of the homosexual agenda. We are standing for holiness in all aspects of our lives. We have no reason to be afraid of this sin more than any other. Understand that. We, are, we have no reason to be homophobia. We are not preaching that. Let's not get wrapped up in the labeling of that. Yes, the, the, they will say that about us. They will say that you're just a homophobe. You're afraid. No, we're not. I'm not afraid of a homosexual person. I can walk up to a homosexual man and shake his hand and look him in the eye. I have no fear of that man or that woman. There's no fear here. This is not biased fear. This is not uneducated fear. They're not going to rub off on us. No more than any other sin is going to rub off on me. You could be a liar. I'm not afraid of you. You're just, your sin of lying isn't going to rub off on me. So let's not buy into that. Let's not get labeled with being, being that we're just homophobia people. No, we're not. We're holiness-based people. We're basing our life on God's holiness, on his word, on all aspects of it, whether I'm a slanderer or a gossip or a liar or a cheater or I'm, I'm homosexual. It's all sin. That's why we all have work to do in our own personal life. So I ask you this morning to stand up in love to the sin and lawlessness that's rampant among us and getting worse. It's not going to get better. Let me tell you that right now. I don't want to pop any bubbles here, but it's not going to get better. It's that time in human history that is ushering in the end of the end, and we're very likely in our generation to witness the coming of the Lord. We're very likely to witness the coming of the Lord. Let me say it again. We're very likely to witness the coming of the Lord. Now, I heard people say this all my life. I heard Grandpa Way say it. I heard Cecil Draw say it. I heard people through all my childhood years say this. But let me tell you a fact. We're 10, 20, 30, 40 years closer to what they were saying it. That's a fact. And you look around, you look around what's going on in the world around us, you look at the economy, you look at the world politics, you look at everything, how it's lining up with prophecy, and you, will, you cannot help if you look at it unbiasedly, if you look at it with an open mind, to think that we clearly are in the end of the end. Now, when is that? I don't know. Is it this year? I don't know. Is it five years? I don't know but it very well could be today it very well could be today author and teacher Ray Comfort says this about this ruling the, support, the Supreme Court is wrong gay unions are not marriage let me read what he says the Supreme Court's redefin- redefinition of marriage doesn't make it marriage in God's eyes <laughs> okay the Supreme Court's redemption of marriage Does not make it marriage in God's eyes Only one man and one woman Can be united in the institution of marriage Since the beginning of time That's the only union that God has joined together A handful of justices may legalize the union Between people of the same gender And perhaps e- eventually multiple people But redefining this as marriage Would be like me declaring That, declaring that my Volkswagen Beetle Is a Lamborghini The two are nothing like each other. To believe otherwise is to deceive myself. Marriage is an institution created by God and portrays the relationship between Christ and his holy bride, the church. And we cannot redefine it to suit our whims. So don't call it marriage. It's not marriage in God's eyes. Are we ready to stand up for what we believe in? Are we ready and able to love people that are trapped in the clutches of the enemy? Are we willing to pray and extend our hands out to them in mercy and grace, not accepting their choices as correct or holy, but to grieve for them and do everything in our power to reach out to them for Jesus? Yeah, we have some responsibilities here. Are we ready to do this? Are we seeing the times around us? The call is to the church to stand up and be the church that Jesus Christ would be proud of. We're his bride. We're not his homosexual same-sex partner. We're the bride of Christ. And we need to stand up for that. Pastor John Piper says this, My sense is that we do not realize what a calamity is happening around us. The new thing, new for America and new for history, is not homosexuality. Remember. Remember the times of Noah Remember the times of Sodom and Gomorrah? What were they judged for? Homosexuality. This is not a new sin, by the way. This is not new. Sin is not new. He goes on to say, That brokenness has been here since we were all broken in the fall of man. And there is a great distinction between my orientation and my acts. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Just like there is a great difference between my orientation to pride and the act of boasting. We'll come back to that. What's new is not even the celebration and approval of homosexual sin. Homosexual behavior has been exploited and revealed in and celebrated in art for millennia. What's new, here's what's new. What's new is the normalization and the institu- institutionalism, huh. institutionalization. What's new is the fact that we are accepting it as normal. That's the new thing. That's the calamity that's happening around us. This comment, this is me now, this comment, I was born gay, listen to me, this comment, I was born gay, is no different than I was born prideful. I'm a prideful man. I was born prideful. But that doesn't mean I have to be proud. In fact, the Lord says he detests a prideful man. I need to be humble. So I need to change what I was born with to be humble. For a man to say I was born gay does not give him the right to live that way and to be accepted by God. No more than a man says I'm born proud, therefore I'm going to be proud and I'm going to be accepted by God. It's very simple. We make it too complicated. It's very simple. For some reason, we have overemphasized this particular struggle with sin. All sin is wrong. And we're all born with a sinful heart and a sinful inclination. So to give one major sin a different level of acceptability over the, another sin just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense that I would allow one sin to have more acceptability than another sin when they're all wrong. That's exactly what John John Piper is saying with the comment, and there is a great distinction between the orientation and the act. Just like there is a great difference between my orientation to pride and the act of boasting. Just because I have a strong temptation to live in a certain lifestyle doesn't mean that I can't have victory over it. Just because I have a strong temptation to be a liar doesn't mean that I have to lie. Just because I have a strong temptation to steal doesn't mean that I have to steal. Just because I have a strong temptation for someone of the same sex doesn't mean I have to give in to that. And yet, somehow, somehow, we in our enlightenment of human people think that that we can change the rules. All of these sins are forgivable by God. And we are his hands. We are God's hands and feet on earth today. We are God's representative on earth. And it's only as we love God are we able to reach out to the lost. We have a responsibility to those people. We have a responsibility to love them. We have a responsibility to tell truth and teach them truth. This morning, what do you think our reaction should be? What do you think it should be this morning? In 1973... 43 years ago, 43 years ago, Roe versus Wade legalized abortion. 43 years ago. We've been aborting, we've been killing children for 43 years. How many millions of babies are in heaven today because their parents chose? This is somber. I know that. See, that used to be a hot topic. When was the last time you thought about abortion? When was the last time you felt the pang of guilt or conviction over an abortion clinic? And I'm not suggesting we go bomb abortion clinics. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that we go out and we, you know, do anything stupid. But I'm saying, I'm I'm saying this because we allow things to normalize in our life how long ago was it when they ruled that you couldn't pray in church in schools how long ago was that we don't even know do we because it doesn't even hit our radar anymore you see how how subtly the enemy works it was said earlier by someone else I don't maybe Sunday school or earlier here but Clearly, this is detestable unto the Lord. And how long is he going to put up with this detestable humanity? Come on. Let's see it for what it is, guys. We were a Christian nation. And there's going to come a day when we may not be able to speak like this. I was talking to Scott Hankins last night. And I put Scott on the spot because Scott's a police officer. And there may come a day when, if I say this, Scott may have to arrest me. What are you going to do, Scott? (laughs) Good. We'll be cellmates. You know, but there comes a time when we have to stand up for the righteousness of God's holy word and not let man distort it. But yet, we've allowed that to happen. I've allowed that to happen. The blood of those children are on my hands. As John Piper said, what's new is the normalization of this new calamity that's the new part is that we're we're being forced to accept it well let me encourage us that we're not forced we don't have to accept this we have to love the people I am not saying that we hate people don't get me wrong I am not preaching hate I am preaching love and mercy and grace but I'm preaching it according to God's Word is this what God is asking of us this morning, that we accept this new lifestyle as normal? Is God, accept, is God asking us to do that because of the Supreme Court, by a vote of four, five to four? No, God's not saying that. You read scripture, how many times did the, did the new church disciples stand up for what was godly, and how many times were they thrown in prison? And what did they do when they were in prison? They sang, and they rejoiced, because they felt it was honorable to suffer for the Lord. Are we ready? Because it may be coming. I pray it doesn't, but it may be. And if it does, I pray it makes us stronger. I pray that we all have the fortitude to stand in the face of it and look it right in the face and say, no, I accept Christ and his rules. Now, here's the challenge. Are we living that way today? Are we living that way today when the pressure's not on? I would encourage us all to go back in and examine our hearts and start living that way right now. Start living it that way right now so that we are practiced and that we're ready and that we're faithful in our witness. Dan Gilmore, the pastor of the Nazarene Church, has opened up his church every Monday, every morning at 7 o'clock for the next couple weeks for anyone that wants to come and pray about this ruling so if you're up at 7 in the morning if you want to go to the Nazarene church and gather around you're welcome to I encourage you to you can pray here you can pray at home you can pray there I'm just encouraging that we come together and pray I want to emphasize this morning that we must love people we must love them we have them in our families don't we we have people that are fallen heir to this lifestyle in our families this is not a time to be hateful This is not a time to reject them. This is a time to reach out and love them, but teach them and talk to them in truth, because really the truth is what saves. Not me just trying to make them feel good about their poor decision, but truth that saves. What do you think? It's 10 to 12. We're going to finish up here. What do you think we should do? I'm going to open the floor. I'd like to get your ideas. I'd like to get your thoughts. What do we do as a church to reach out to our community in love and truth and integrity and honesty? How do we do it? First things first. Hang on, I want to give a microphone because I want this to be done. First things first. Before we, as, we, as we start speaking this way, I want to really, really, really encourage us that the only way that we're going to have a voice with people is if we're authentic ourselves okay you can't lie and cheat and steal and cuss and swear and drink and do all the things you want to do and then go to someone else in a sin and and have any any voice with them so if you're not living a righteous life right now you better change otherwise don't say anything at all you're better off not to say anything I'm not saying you're perfect Because we're not perfect. But I am saying we better be living a life of righteousness to the best of our ability if you're going to have any voice with anybody. Right? So that's examine our hearts right now. That's what I'm going to try to encourage us right now before this becomes a big issue. Before this comes to head, we better start living our life like we really believe what we believe.
1: Uh, In my particular family, we're like a lot of families, we have... um, A female young female woman who's actually had a couple of children Bonnie's family same way however we do have to love them I mean I stir with this all the time I I as a Christian I can remember when I was pro-choice before I became a Christian just a few years ago and I remember a man uh, who was a Christian said to me I'm a pro-life person I said, really? And never an abortion of any kind? And he said, Well, in case of rape and incest, and that's not pro-life, what you're telling me is as pro-hypocrite, because you're telling me that they have less of a right to exist than the ones born under love. However, I do know that if we reject them, there's no way we can minister to them. So you have to put your arms around them and love them. And love them and minister to them. Let let your the way you live show them. Amen Yeah That's very important That we love them.
0: Anyone else Any other thoughts I've
2: given a lot of thought To this since We talked last night And this is not A time For us as a church Or as Christian people To panic Right God is still God Yep God is still in control Amen None of that will change because of a 5-4 decision. That's right. And we don't have to... I don't disagree with anything that you've said today, Mike. We simply need to... I know that I know that I know mm-hmm. that God is good all the time. Let God be God. And let us be the church, mm-hmm. and do what we should do at at the leading of his spirit. But don't panic. God is still God. God is still on the throne. And none of this surprised him, by the way. That's right. None of this was a shock to God. He didn't read the paper or go to yahoo.com and say, what? Hold on, i got to change my whole plan.
0: Uh-uh. God is still God. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. I'm certainly not trying to create a stir or a panic. I'm just being a good coach. And a good coach scouts the opposing team. (laughs) And we're just out knowing what the opposing team's doing so we can be prepared for it.
3: We were talking about this at work on Friday because we're going to be called on the carpet really quickly as individuals about what we're going to do with, celebrations marriage celebrations these kinds of things as a staff Mm -hmm. and um we you know a couple of us had a little private conversation and uh, we pretty much have decided that we are diving into the word and i would really love i didn't get all of those scriptures but i really want to go through all of them i think we need to gird up with the word it's so important because when you have I, re, I just believe that when the when the word is alive and fresh in you about a certain issue that you know you're going to be facing like it like for example if your body's under attack and you do an in-depth study on healing and all of that it I mean it, it makes a difference you can't lean on maybe you know your 5 year ago study on that so i you know the the few of us that have already talked we're going to dive in Amen. And we're going to dig it out. We have some supplemental materials that we're ordering online as well. And we're going to switch, you know, kind of go through the the books and then share them and things like that. Because I feel like when you have that sharpened sword, because the word of God is the sword. Amen. When you have that, you are able, we will all be able to respond in love and truth and accuracy and confidence right. in a way that... He will deposit, you know, that word of truth that sets the captives free instead of if we're unsure, I think, and we're trying to, you know, love them in a way that the truth is absent, you know, which is so common Mm -hmm. nowadays, um, I think we can tend to say the wrong things and it can be hurtful. They're already, everybody's already going to expect us to not agree with them anyway. You know, I really kind of boiled it down. Um, this individual I have in pretty close proximity to me will never like she's never opened a door to me because when she first got hired someone said to her uh, about that girl and she's never ever really even befriended me or I've tried you know I've been kind and you know I've really loved on her and things like that but um, I just pray that the Lord will has warriors everywhere whether it's me or anybody else and so there's all kinds of people praying and we want to be through sharpening the sword in us through letting his word deposit we want to be available to be that warrior that somebody else is praying about for the person they can't get to amen
0: that's good yeah i think that's really good advice and that is sometimes it's better not to say anything but let the word speak let god's word speak it's not our opinion Dick, I gotta, you got to see this. you got to have this. In
4: Luke chapter 21, Jesus is talking there about the signs of the end of time, the signs of the end of the age. Lest we all become discouraged and fearful, verse 28 says this, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. He's saying here that in, this, in the midst of all this, rejoice, be happy. These yeah. things are prophesied that are going to happen. But for the sake of the Christian, for the Christian confidence and security, look up. Yeah, amen. The thing we've lived for and the thing we've hoped for is coming down the road.
0: Amen. It is. Amen. So, yeah, be encouraged. This is not a scary, this is not a scary topic. It's a, it's a solemn time, but we need to look up. But at the same time, we need to work hard well we need to pray for our government leaders we need to pray for those in authority over us and uh, we need to pray diligently um, for God's will
2: I for one have fallen asleep I think many in the church have fallen asleep prayers are most uh, is the strongest tool we have and I call myself an intercessor but I didn't spend a lot of time praying on this issue um, we need to pray for our congregations. We need to pray for our pastors, and we need to pray for one another that we can stand strong in this. Um, but most of all, you got you have you have got to be right with God, so that you can hear that voice and know what to do when you're confronted. Um, you can't lash out. You have to you have to do what God tells you to do in that situation. And you, the only way to do that is to be prayed up.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, no problem.
4: Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be glorified even in the midst of all that's going on in this world, Lord. You are sovereign. You rule. You reign. Amen. You are in control. And God, help us, Lord. Help us, God, to seek your face and to be your instruments, God, wherever you place us, wherever you want us to do, God. Let us hear your voice, Father, and move.
0: Amen. 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 We're just going to end up in a time of prayer. And uh, Lawrence?
4: Or might praise. You know, God's word is truth. But we're supposed to take the hand of those people and love them. Not love the sin. I know we have foster children and friends that we've had over the years that are in or have family in the gay community. These kids and people know where we stand they don't confess or talk that to us but we've got to open our doors to those people for the truth we have to make a stand on God's word are each and every one of us ready to make that stand in love not hatred, not to get our guns out and shoot somebody but still with open arms because God is in control. His word is truth, and we can stand on that. And I know Amen. this has gone through from everybody that's had anything to speak this morning, but that's where we got to stand.
0: Amen. Okay, would you stand with me, please? And uh, I'm just closing prayer. And uh, let's just, I want to encourage you all to um, make this a, a, a common theme, a reoccurring theme in your life throughout this week. All right, and let's just make this a, a time of prayer and diligence in our hearts and our lives that we would pray against the evil that is transpiring and spinning in our society. Father, we just come before this name. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have. We thank you, Lord, that we can be free and that we can stand in your word, God, and we can just declare it from the rooftops. And we're going to continue to declare it from the rooftops no matter what. Help us, Lord, to live our lives appropriately. Help our lives to be true to you, God. Tweak us, turn us towards you, Father. Help our lives line up with your word of God in all aspects of our lives so that we have, so we have ability to speak your truth. And God, I pray love. I pray, God, you'd give us a super abundance of love, righteous love, holy love. Lord, that we could reach out as you would. Now, I pray, God, that our, for our country leaders today. I pray for our president. I pray for those justices. I pray for our senators. I pray for the congressmen. I pray, God, that the laws that could happen, I pray that they will not happen. I pray, God, I put a stand against it in Jesus' name that these things will not impact us. They will not impact our religious freedoms. They will not impact the things that we stand for today. God, I, I stand for it in Jesus' name. And God, and most importantly, I pray for all those people of all sin that they turn to you, that they feel the convictions finger of Jesus heavy on their heart today, and we turn to you as our only source. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.